Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Previously, Previously. on the Game On Podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Mate. But a good grand final all, all the same. And, and I mean, back in the day, the the big four were alive and well, weren't they? Yeah. You know, Port and Stett, Nord and Galoog. And um, you look through the grand finals at that time, and those teams were pretty re- routinely um, part of it, weren't they? Which was great. And then playing under Graham Campbell, of course, the... Uh, yeah, the, you know. interesting, that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a, a different cat. Um, you know, obviously... Start of '83, I think we lost our first seven before he got sacked. Yeah, um, and a lot of us loved him because he was playing us, and um, you know we threatened to go on strike and all sorts of silly things. And the club reneged and reappointed him. And then we played South the following week and got done by eight goals again. So we lost our first eight. Eight, yeah. Um, but then got close to making the finals again, as it turned out. I think we had to win. Maybe two of our last three or something. I think we lost two of our last three or something like that. I think that. you need but, results um, to go your way as well on memory. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, but we loved Graham, and um, you know some funny stories. You know, <laughs> strangely enough, the one that comes to mind was that was that um, the parade, and the rooms were a bit funny in those days. And it was sort of a uh, the away room had sort of another room attached to it, and you couldn't really see what was in there. And Graham. Graham was sure Nord had their spies in there and that they were listening to the pre-match. So when when he pulled the, the, the blanket off the whiteboard with the team on there, he read the team out, Christian names only. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, it was Tony and Stephen and Christopher <laughs> and uh, Wayne and Alan. And, and we're sitting there, honestly, trying try not to laugh. Yeah. And he, and he used to eat a lot of apples. And if you were sitting too close to him at the time, you were getting bits of the apple and all sorts of stuff was going on. And he's reading the team out, thinking that Nord are listening. And we, and before we ran out one of these games, he, I remember him saying, and don't forget Neville Roberts, he's a bit like 007. He's got a licence to rhyme, uh, to roam. He's 009. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I, Rocky will love that. I'll bring yeah, that up with him. Yeah, yeah. I'll never forget him saying, and we're running out like, Laughing, oh. so um, it sort of didn't go all that well at times. We we loved him, but uh, probably wasn't ideal, and in a, in a lot of respects. And at the end of the day, the club made a call on him at the end of '84, and you know, fortunately, probably appointed Studley, which was a great move. And 
probably the move we needed to try to discipline us a bit. And I do have to bring up one quick game with you, with, with you, Simo. At Glenelg in 83, Pete set the scene for you. The legs are, the legs are up. It's the last quarter. Glenelg are coming. Nord have come in the ball out of defence. Uh, error. There's a kick out on the full, so it's you know, Glenelg's free. Mm-hmm. The Nord guys have run ahead of the ball. Jeff Wilson's marked the ball. I'm sitting next to him in the in the crowd at Glenelg. Simo's trying to grab the ball off Jeff, and we're yelling at the Nord guys, come back, pick, you know, McDermott up, pick. Uh, and Simo's going, give us the fucking ball. And, uh, and yeah, so I, was a, I don't know if you can remember that, Simo, but I did I, say to I Jeff I'd remember, bring that up. I remember there was two blokes who wouldn't give me the ball yeah. on, the far side, on the far side. Far side, side correct, goal, yep. And I just wanted to get hold of it and get it on because I think we were down at the time of the game was close. And uh, you, you didn't do anything that I wouldn't have done myself, I can tell you that, because the game was in the balance and it was important to get it on. But I, I do remember it and I remember swearing and that wasn't a nice thing to do in front of young people <laughs> and kids, but you had to do what you had to do. Oh, it was a <laughs> bit of fun. It showed the <laughs> tribal warfare. You, exactly. You, exactly. You, you boys were uh, truly the nineteenth man on that occasion. Oh, we were directing the, traffic, yeah, holding onto the yeah, ball. Yeah, Chavo, all, get yeah. back there. Get, yeah, don't, don't worry, it was full on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, I love all that stuff. It was, um, you know, in a, a, a different world, and no one got offended. And, no. You know, no. it was a bit. It was just part of the game, really. And you, you walked off afterwards, and you moved on. So what? better days, really, boys. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete, once again, joined by Malcolm and um, Tony Simons, uh, part two. We, uh, we've split it up over a couple of weeks. Uh, fantastic that he was actually able to go back to the bay, do some coaching and, and, and probably still partying as we speak. Oh, he's a character, Simon. Real, he's great, great, it's only a film, man. He gets the whole photo, gets life in general, helps a lot of people. Person I've got enormous respect for and, yeah, he's a big, he's a, he's a Bay's legend. Absolute pleasure to have him on the show and uh, look forward to adding him to our Past Players, Past Legends yes. uh, series that we do play during the week for those uh, who do keep up with some of our podcasts. And, um, yeah, yes. let's get into today's episode. Yeah, we're not a bit of illness and a bit of technical trouble, so we've been away for a bit. But we do have breaking news, Pete. All right, before I play Around the Grounds, give, yes. us, give us your breaking news. This, do you realise right at this very second if there was an earthquake, a hurricane, a cyclone, I'm not really fussy, mm-hmm. if that hit the whole of Australia and lasted till March, South Australia win the Sheffield Shield. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Oh, breaking news. Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> We've just been having a bad millennium. It's okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, to- it's time for the Redbacks to yes. come good. All right. Around the Grounds. 
And we will talk a little bit more about the cricket uh, in in a minute, but uh, let's start off with the AFL. It's trade period. The silly season is coming uh, to a little bit of an end. Um, Todd Goldstein from North Melbourne to Essendon, uh, bit of a bit of an interesting one. I'm surprised it's more like that. It's taken this long before he's moved yet moved to try and have a crack. I'm probably a little bit surprised that Essendon, if Colin were interested, which is what they. Th- was the word, mm-hmm. I would have picked Collingwood in a heartbeat if yep. I was Goldstein, but you don't know. There's a lot of these behind the scenes, scenes yeah. deals, uh, picks, et cetera, et cetera. Just going to run through uh, three or four of them here, top three or four players. Uh, Matty Flynn from GWS to West Coast. Yeah, look, I, th- I think he had a bit. Um, I admit I wouldn't have minded him at Adelaide. Um, yeah, I think he, he offers a bit. I mean, obviously the flavour of this particular trade period seems to be Ruckman, and that leads yeah. me into Brody Grundy from Melbourne to Sydney. Deal got done re- relatively quickly too. I think that's a big pickup for Sydney and a ground which suits him, the small SCG, gets the chance to work with Taylor Adams again, Gordon. I think that's a big pickup for Sydney. Mm-hmm. I really do. Absolutely. Lockie Schultz from Fremantle to Collingwood. Yeah, that was an interesting one for me. Obviously, he's pretty highly related w- within the system and bang, four-year deal with a trigger for a fifth. Mm-hmm which probably leads to the next one, the next movement, which has just happened in the last half hour or so in Ginevan going to Hawthorne. Correct, yes. I think in that one's interesting. Like, he didn't read the room. I I don't think he can be the sharpest tool in the tank. To go to a – to decide to go to the races on the night before the grand final, I just reckon it's dumb. Like, Mm -hmm. I would have checked with the leadership group. Yeah. Just done something. You you want players to relax. You want players to, you know, be themselves to a certain degree. But then you also don't want to put yourself in a situation where that potentially someone says something and it ends up blowing into Vesuvius. You know what I mean? Big races meeting, runs into a Brisbane supporter, someone push. Look, I just would have. Now, I'll just give Pendles or, yeah, just give. Yep. Give Darcy a ring or a text. Yep. What do you reckon? Well, McRae seems approachable McRae, too. McRae. Yep. Bang. Look, young, young fella, we'd prefer if you didn't. We're yep. not going to stop. We're not going to ban you. No, no. But common sense is go, look, go to the movies, you know, whatever, yes. but don't put yourself at risk. Yep. yep. And I just think that would have been common sense. And then when McRae's had a crack at him on. Saturday night afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like the word was around he'd gone and McCraig wasn't happy. Well, then on the Monday, the Mad Monday, he dresses up as a jockey. <laughs> you know, not the smartest move. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're in the shit a little bit. Yep. Let's just yep. pull your head in and display a bit of decorum, bit of contribution, yeah. a bit of contrition. Yep. You know? Yep. So. Yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting one. At the end of the day, he's a premiership player uh, for Collingwood. Um mm. I'm surprised that they let a talent like that go relatively easily, but if there is some internal problems I, there, I think McRae's just gone bang. No, yeah, we're not settling not, for it. Yep. The no dickhead policy. Yep, they've been bang, really approachable, the far enjoyment, uh, but no, 
we're setting elite standards. Yep. And he's just gone bang. No, yep. not on Sia. Fair I, I think it's as simple as that. Uh, Taylor Adams was another yeah. interesting one from Collingwood to Sydney. I mean, Sydney seemed to have been at this stage. Winners, they yes. seems to be the winners. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But, yeah, Taylor Adams, uh, highly regarded, obviously, at Collingwood, uh, and yet uh, sees himself being on-traded to Sydney. Yeah, his midfield minutes had fallen away. He's got pushed to a half-forward flank. So he's gone out of that initial rotation mm-hmm. with Dacos and... Obviously, Dacos is only going to use more and more. Yes. Pendlebury seems to be like a fine wine and is never going to finish. Wow. Um, Hagger was his last quarter. A- absolutely. Uh, so he's he's read the room in terms of then going, no, I want to, I'm in and under. I can't really play any, anywhere else. Could it, could have time. And Adelaide had a bit of a look at him considering they're looking for that midfield depth? Yeah, but I think Adelaide are looking more the outside, outside rather midfield. than the inside. Yep, yeah. fair call. Uh, and then that leads me, obviously, to my last one, which was uh, something that we sort of knew quite a while ago that Tom Duday uh, being traded, obviously, from Adelaide to Brisbane. Um, that that doesn't surprise me in a way. We talked about it on, a little bit on air. We talked about it off air. Um, that, you know, that's that was probably what was going to happen Brisbane obviously taking a bit of a risk with the two knee reconstructions that Duda has had, but I think he fills that gap that they're mi- that they're missing. And really, they only lost the grand final by four points. Oh, look, he's a very good player. That's not that. But Adelaide did. I have a long term offer in front of, him and his manager has played Russian roulette, gets injured. So you know, I I don't blame Adelaide in that regard, yeah. and I can't blame Duda in the end. He's offered two extra years, so it's effectively offered. Probably another million dollars somewhere yep. else. Will he be mad not to? Again, so I'll, I'll get both sides. Like we've one. talked about before, when it comes to a job offer and somebody's oh. offering uh, another couple of hundred thousand over over a two year period, you pretty much we're going to look at that one and, and favour that deal, which is you know you try you're trying to explain to people constantly where people only see in their team why would someone want to leave us? Well, he's been offered a better job elsewhere. Yeah. It's all it is. Yep. Yeah, fair call. Uh, the other one from Adelaide, we'll, we'll get on to Port Adelaide in a second, was Shane McAdam. Uh, took a little bit longer than usual uh, for this one to go through, considering I thought it was a, pretty much a done deal. But I think Petty was obviously the, the, the linchpin to the whole process. Uh, and then yesterday, obviously, McAdam uh, going through. People carrying on saying, oh, Adelaide folded. Look, he's, he only played seven games this year. He's stupid, isn't it? He's 27. Um, he's been inconsistent. I reckon a second round, second rounder it's is about fair. right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, sticking with the petty, is there a, a last minute gasp from Adelaide to get him? Uh, obviously, seen in Adelaide playing uh, golf yeah. yesterday. I know players all know each other yeah. through junior football and other representative well, football, and often hang out in their off season. They're in their off season. That's well, what bought, it gets down to. He boarded with Darcy Fogarty, so yeah. look, you know, I don't see any big deal about that. Look. Yep. I doubt it, yep. but it, look, ironic, it's quite amusing that at Nord, we considered him more of a forward. Mm-hmm. He certainly played a bit of both ends, yes, and he did play down back as well, so not, not that, but we could see both both assets yep. well and truly in him, so 
it's quite funny at the moment where Adelaide seem to be trying to get him to play down back. back yes. And Melbourne are going to play him up forward. forward. So, yeah, it is. It, it is. A, it's, a interesting. It's, a, it's a tick to Harrison. Absolutely. Yeah. And obviously he's not ruled out a, an opportunity to come back to Adelaide right. at some stage, So, which is really good. All right, we move on to Port Adelaide. Uh, seemed to be very, very quiet-ish through the early parts, but today they've uh, received Ivan Soda Solo. From uh, Richmond. And Jordan Sweet's and just Jordan come Sweet. through yep. in the last few minutes. Jordan Sweet, Mobbery boy, went. he was in the same year as my son, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. It's two Ruckman. So at the moment, right at this very second, there's those two. There's Valenic, um, Lyset and Hayes. I'm sure that by the end of end of the day, that won't be the case. It would probably be Lyset maybe the one that might. You would think so. Might uh, move on. I, I wouldn't be surprised St Kilda coming to the record. Okay, I, th- I thought I thought maybe Coll- Collingwood, but maybe, maybe we'll see how we go yeah. on that one. Uh, Zerk Thatcher from Essendon to Port. Do we think Port is going to get that one done? Oh, I'm sure. All these last deals come in the last half hour. It's which is a bit bizarre. Look, depends where swaps ending. I think it'll end up getting done. Look, do I think those few? I think Soldos could be could be pretty important. Mm-hmm. Um, Soldo's not a bad ruckman, but it, obviously an injury record as well. He's done a knee before, so you've just got to wait and see there. But it's Soldo, if you're rucking and I've got the chance to uh, have Horn Francis, Rosie and Butters at my feet. You'd be licking your lips, yeah, wouldn't you? Absolutely. You don't have to do too much to look okay. No, absolutely. And then uh, Asava Radagali is probably the other big one that That'll happen. Port need to really happen on the basis that, you know, they're, they're for the here and now. They're, they're yeah, I agree with that. I, I also agree with the point. I, it'll be very interesting how Radagalia and Olia work together. Mm-hmm. Both probably the plus one yes. is their best aspect. Yep. Probably neither of them are great negating, so it'll be interesting. So. Should be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, uh, closes very, very soon, um, probably just after this, uh, just before this podcast comes uh, out for the uh, for the week, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how that falls. Uh, big winners for this year. We talked briefly, probably Sydney at this stage. I think Sydney. I think St Kilda have done okay. I reckon um, Henry and Dow are um, a pace. Yes, for Marvel in particular, mm-hmm. that I think that's that's an added aspect. Yep. Um, I do think Schultz is a good player. Who's ended up who. Collingwood have got from Frio. Yep, they've given up a lot for him. Which and it, you know, it's interesting that you've already got Hill, who's won the Norm Smith. Yes, you recruit another small forward as your number one target. So it's a interesting, interesting choice. And you've still got Elliot for the mid size yep. sort of small forward. So, and I think that's also why Ginevan yeah, probably I'd left say, as well. Yes. As well, there was a little yeah. bit of that to it as well. Yeah. Uh, what what about losers as far not losers as such, but what about uh, you know teams that haven't really participated too much within the draft that could be on the slide a little bit next year? Probably, you would like to have seen Adelaide get a little bit more. I think Burgess will play down back at Adelaide. Uh, he did play down back at Westies a, a bit before going to Gold Coast, yep. so I wouldn't be surprised if that's the role they've targeted him for, not so much up forward. If Adelaide, if Adelaide get petty over the line oh, and they have Burgess as well, things completely change yeah, for Adelaide, change, don't they? Things change quick. So it's another, what are we, purely as we speak, it's about another four hours to go. So mm-hmm. 
So a lot of things could happen, yeah. Absolutely. All right, we'll leave the AFL trade uh, disputes uh, until next week. Yep. We'll definitely know who's ticked off on and who's not, and then we might have a little bit of a look at how the teams may line up for round one based upon some of those recruits. Um, Adelaide's draft hand seems to be pretty good. Uh, Port Adelaide's in a reasonably good position. <clears throat> Excuse me, position as well. Yeah, Port Port have played the for now with recruiting Horn Francis last year and yep. that side of things. So, yeah, I think Dersma is probably the other one that may that that'll could be probably a straight involve swap. that. Yeah, I, I, if I was Port, I'd want a bit more back than just that. I don't regard that. Yep. If I was Essendon for mine, that's an IKEA start the car. Yep. Um. So, wait and see. Figure. All right, mate. We move on to the crickets. Yep. You're uh, beaming as we speak. I actually didn't think you'd rock up. I thought you'd still be with the team, enjoying the spoils of a very, very, very good win against New South Wales. Yes. Um, look, great effort. Obviously, a couple of players in particular, but it was it was fascinating to be watching a game at Adelaide Oval where the ball was doing a fair bit. And I actually said, Dizzy actually walked past yesterday and stopped and said hello. Well, mm-hmm. at Adelaide, at, you almost have to at a Shield game because there's only about 50 of us there. Yep. So you've got to greet each person with reverence. Yes. Um, which also, the sacker, I might as well have my tee-off moment or like, and that. Charging $10 to get in and $17 to park your car, I think is just absolute stupidity. So the $10 to get in, you're employing four staff to do that. Now, they did that today. Mm-hmm. Cricket went for under an hour. Mm-hmm. So you've done that. There would was, was there weren't a hundred people at Adelaide Oval today. Yep, you've done that, and you've got to play a minimum of three hour three hours for a particular wages for someone shift. So it's an insane, idiotic decision by the sacker where they have got this thing where oh, oh we've got to give the members better value, so we'll charge for shield games. Not hang on. We've accepted the West Indies again. Mm-hmm. So the South Australian cricket lovers have got West Indies again after last year where yep. the bar was more exciting than the cricket. And that, just pull your head in, Saka. Yep. Use a bit of brain. A bit of common sense. Back to the cricket, the good. Yes, absolutely, um, yeah. McSweeney, 64 in the first innings. And then yesterday, on a deck which was doing plenty, he just play, he, he pulled the big shots back. Didn't go for the, the big... Ex- expendable smash drive, just nudged and worked it. And then when our ninth wicket fell, he's on 72 at the start of the over. He goes kabang, kabang, mm-hmm. kabang. So there were, he brought up the 28 runs. Well, as I said in the bar, I was in I was in the, uh, the body line bar and I said to the guys, we should all be signing a piece of paper and take photos because of the 300-odd people at Adelaide Oval in 30 years' time, 3,000 will have claimed they were there mm-hmm. to watch yep. young McSweeney deliver. And, yeah. I, Obviously, top scorer in the first innings, yeah. uh, 100 in the second innings, uh, which you've just talked about there. Um, good to see South Australia actually digging their heels in a little bit and a couple of really good catches too, which we did talk about with Ryan, yeah. Ryan Harris um, as part of one of our 40, interviews yeah. that, that he yeah. said that they had done a bit of work on that. and. Uh, I think it was Lehman took an absolute screamer in the slips there that uh, needed to be re- repeated a few yeah, it times. it was. It was a fair catch by by Jake, and um, I really will let his old man know that, he, that the buff wouldn't have got hands to that. Um, <laughs> I did leave Adelaide over with a very happy father-in-law of Jake today too. Um, 
Yeah, McSweeney took a really good one today as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a performance on a wicket where you thought, oh, oh South Australia again. Yes. 290-odd, but all of a sudden, actually, no, this is a fair score. And to be there yesterday on the third day, the ball was still zipping around and moving a lot. Yep. And Dizzy said, no batter ever fell in on it. And I said, because I said I thought that's the best wicket I've seen here in this is, and I said, yeah, okay, I get that, Diz, but how about McSweeney? He's fought. Hughes has fought for New South Wales, Daniel Hughes in yes. that dig. So, yes, it was hard to bat on, but it also, I like to see a wicket actually examine a batter's technique, and some of the batter's techniques failed dismally on it. So, you know. Fair call. Uh, I'm glad, um, yeah, the drop-in pitch obviously starting to yeah, it was interesting. You to do a few things. Originally thought we were going to be flat, flat and, it, yeah. and it moved around. It was it was really it was fascinating cricket, which you, a lot of times three hundred versus four hundred Adelaide Oval. It's not fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's more waiting to that last hour where you need eighty odd off. Yes, thirteen overs, five down. All of a sudden, there's two wickets caught on the fence and. The situation jazzes the game up, yep. not the wicket, which in this game I thought... The wicket did it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, South Australia winning by 186 runs, uh, hurricanes, tornadoes, oh. earthquakes, uh, bring it on. Uh, well, Australia sitting uh, obviously uh, near the top of the table. And let's give it. let's have that game. The current score as we speak of the game in WA... WA, uh, Tasmania batting first, 439. WA declaring at eight declared for 574. Yeah. Like, give the, what a boring game. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we'll move on to international cricket. Australia uh, just struggling a little bit in their first few, few games of the one-day World um, Cup. Yeah, look, I probably need, we need more from the top order and then need a bit more of a contribution from Steve Smith. And that... Look, I don't know. For me, this World Cup's lacked, lacked, thing, lacked oomph. Yes. Now, it's fascinating that being in India, because the stadiums are so big, like there was one game where there was 40, 45,000 there. Well, it looked like there wasn't a person there. Yep. It looked like, yep. It did look like a shield game in Adelaide Oval. So it's funny, isn't it, that how much a game in a smaller oval where it's packed, mm-hmm. how much that adds to the contest. Yes. And I think we saw that when COVID happened. You watch footy and there were no spectators in it. it yeah, it yeah, just took lagged. a little while yeah, to, yeah, to you know, adjust to, yep. So I think that's part of it for me. Where well, it's, I, I know I'm not flipping channels and yeah. sticking to the cricket like I used to. I, that's just yeah. me personally. I, no, likewise. Um, like I'll check, score, yeah, that looks all right. Maybe watch a couple of overs – change back, move around, but there, there's no urgency to come back to it at the moment. Oh, look, and I think probably until the last couple of days where we've had England lose to Bangladesh mm-hmm. and now uh, the Nether- Netherlands beat South Africa, yes. that all of a sudden that's probably created a bit of the interest well, where for, yeah, whatever. And look, for me, it's not Australia struggling. That, that for me, yeah, it's just, I just think it's a bit of high arm. Probably it's a case of overkill a bit mm-hmm. and... For me, I yeah, I admit I'm one of those weird people who actually follows Shield cricket. Yep. So yeah, and the one day is as such, it's just falling out of favour. Yes, it just hasn't quite. It's not gelling. It's not working yeah, the way it's it is. not got what it used to have with yes. it. Hasn't got the same interest. We've lost the passion for it. Um, yeah, 
not that I'm a big fan of 2020. Personally, I think 2020 should only be at domestic level. Mm-hmm. I don't think it. I think it adds nothing uh, internationally. Yep. And I've got no problem with it being the saviour at domestic level. Yep. But yeah, internationally, yeah, yep. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't care less whether Australia won in yep. 2020. Uh, India sitting top of the table at the moment with New Zealand with uh, three wins from three games. New Zealand actually play tonight. Yep. South Africa, Pakistan, England, Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Australia, Netherlands and Sri Lanka round out the top ten. Yeah, so it's it's throwing the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit with those last couple of results. So it may jazz up a bit from there, but yeah, for mine. See how it goes. Yeah, I'm All a right. bit vanilla about it. Fair call. Um can't say any more about the shock losses. I'm, I'm, I'm lost for words for it, but uh, these were these were these are what these tournaments sometimes are all about, aren't they? Yeah, probably that is the one thing that 2020 cricket probably broadening up, um, probably getting more publicity and getting more and more countries involved. Mm-hmm. And I think they showed the extraordinary stat of um, Nabib that he's now played in winning games against 40. So-called country. Okay, there's Kuwait there and yes. this and that. You wouldn't even know it unless it had been printed on the paper. But you are. it does show mm-hmm. when you then look at that, shit, there is a lot of country. Cricket as a worldwide game has far more countries playing it than we realise. Yep. So I think the 2020 has probably helped. And then that, you know, the expats move around. So you, you've probably got a fair few Pakistani, Indian people living in countries, mm-hmm. uh, Netherlands, South Africans there and, you know. The US have their own league. I actually watched that on KO. Uh, I came across it and and stopped for five minutes and went, oh, hang on, on. USA have got cricket league. Very much so. It's going absolutely berserk over there. So, uh, very, very interesting. All right, let's move on to the AFLW. Round seven completed. Adelaide defeating the Bulldogs by 42 points. Yeah, it was a a ho-hum game. It was. I had down on my notes here that it was a bit of a scrappy affair yeah. at times. I thought the Bulldogs, Matthew Clark thought it was the best the Bulldogs had played all year. Um, and just, you know, they ran the ball a bit okay and all that. Um, but it was, and I, one thing I am stunned about him, he did put... Um, Ebony Marinoff in his coaches' votes. I thought she was terrible Friday night. Mm-hmm. Ran to some shocking spots. Look, I did say to a couple of people afterwards that I think we've got to keep reminding. I've got to keep reminding myself that we grew up playing sport, yes. and you pick up things best and learn best as a kid. Yep. So to try and introduce as an adult mm-hmm. and that. So Ebony is very much see ball, chase ball, get, get ball, ball. Yep. Where and look. Jimmy Allen's a person we hope we're going to have on the future. That was a bit of his weakness. Mm-hmm. So he's not on his Pat Malone. She's not on her Pat Malone in that regard. No. But where she was calling for the ball sometimes on no ebony, you're better off yes. getting twenty getting eighteen to twenty-five touches, not thirty-five to forty, and doing more damage hurting the opposition more, which is what she did against Melbourne the week, week before. before. Yep. Um Speaking now, of Adelaide's ball movement, once again. Just seems to be very smooth. It's methodical. There's that traditional, you know, player running past somebody who's marked the ball, keep the ball in motion, changing the angles. Adelaide have done it. Yeah, the Irish very, girls very, been well. very important there. Uh, Kalo, who won the Rising Star, was important in that way. Yep. Prowse has been good in defence, so they're they're strong in defence. Yes, and they're 
you know, it's not like they relied on Chelsea, you know, originally relied a lot on Chelsea Randall and Aaron Phillips. Well, they've gone way past that, and it's become a lot more of an even spread. Yep. Um, you know, where Hatch, Hatchard probably is probably their best player now. Mm-hmm. Um, so and hasn't yeah. she gone from strength to strength too? She's a good player. Absolutely. So, um, big game this week. Absolutely. We'll talk about that one in yeah. a minute. Uh, Port Adelaide uh, running into a red-hot North Melbourne. Uh, North Melbourne winning by 63 points. Yeah. Port probably need about two more years of getting the real good draft choices in if they get Indy Rashid in and all that at the moment. Yeah. And we have talked about that. The, the teams that have come later to the AFLW program who are playing catch-up at this stage. Yeah, and look, and it wasn't ready for 18 sides, and it's it's still not. It's yeah. nowhere near ready for 18 sides, but so it's been built sort of the wrong way, wrong way round. Yeah, we, we all from, understand. From we all understand why. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's going to take a bit of catching up. A um, couple of other results, obviously Essendon um, def- uh, defeating uh, Richmond, but really at this stage, um, at Carlton Collingwood, I watched a bit of that game there. At this stage, it looks like Melbourne, Adelaide, and North Melbourne seem to be the contenders. With Brisbane, a, maybe with a Brisbane, maybe in a ten-round season. Yeah, yeah, no, that it is true. Now, let's. I, I'm not sure we've got it where we've got it here on the system. We'll bring it up now, though. In terms of Naja Allen, how I I am urging anyone out there who thinks that Allen's been hard done by, learn the system. I'm sorry, it was just straight away. I thought to myself watching it. I was doing the scoreboard and then watched the instant later. Mm-hmm. It's an automatic three weeks. Yes, she intended to bump fairly, but she didn't display due care didn't realise who she was bumping mm-hmm. was so much shorter. Bumped to the head. Now, the player got taken off for the concussion test. Yep. Now, as soon as that happens, it is it is a, a fair chance the grading is going to be regarded as severe. Yep. So, uh, the Crows tried to get that downgraded. Yes. Which would have resulted in two games. But the player goes over for the concussion test. You're struggling to get it downgraded. Yep. Unfortunately, Naja was a lack of awareness. Again, a lack, just a bit of lack of footy now. Mm-hmm. Again, that'll hopefully is is, is going to come in years because now the girls playing from the earlier level. Yes, they're turning to protect themselves. They're doing that sort of thing now, which was the cringe moment where first women footy started. Yes. Where you weren't so nervous that someone was going to seriously hurt themselves yep. in that. So that's gradually getting better. The standard is getting better, but it's still a long way to go. You brought up a very, very good point that I wanted to. Um, the Allen incident, very good bump, but like you said, as soon as it goes yep. to the concussion protocol, totally understand it, uh, understand the duty of care, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, can't be too unhappy with the result of that. Yep. But at the same time, it was a football incident, so it's a little for me. It's in that grey area. No, which for mine, can't... it's not. She bumped to the head. Sorry, you've just you've yep. got to have, you've got to have more awareness, awareness of the player next year. Now, now, if you are want to argue that three games in a ten round system yep. is too much, yep. and there should be downgrade, uh, there should be different grading in that regard to the men's. That's a different argument. Yep, I got no problem with on that basis. Yep, but. You know, of which 
quite correctly, obviously the fines for something mm-hmm. are far less yes. because they're not getting paid, paid. what the guys yep. are. So that's already built in there a little bit. So it, I think it should have a 25% loading, yes. lesser, whatever, however you want to yep. phrase it. Yep. So, yeah, that then becomes two games. Yep. I think that is oh, that's fine. Yep. But don't argue. For mine, there was no defence for what she did. The other thing, the yep, feckle. Uh, the other thing is uh, the just watching some of the the AFLW games this year. The the adaption to you know players standing up and tackling ra- oh, they're getting rather, there. rather than time. pulling them down yes. or or potentially putting themselves in a, in uh, a risky situation. situation. Yep. Uh, very interesting that. Um, you know the the physicality uh, of the AFLW game has gone up, I believe, a notch this year. But the awareness of when they are tackling, they're, that they're standing up. They're will get it, will we see there. that more in the men's game oh, over the next did. year no, or no, two, or, I, I we, or we, we already have? Yeah, I, th- I think we have. I, I think, yep. and uh, I think probably where you notice it more at the AFLW because it is contest. It's a contested tackling game. Yep. More and a little bit slower they movement. Yeah, they haven't worked the quicker hand. The hands are getting quicker, but yep. there's obviously a, a fair bit to go mm-hmm. to still go. So I think that's why yep. it's more such a contested dame. Probably Nord Oval also contributes to that a little bit. Yep. Um. So yeah, that was part of it. No, fair call. Uh, interesting to uh, keep an eye on that with a couple of rounds to go, and um, yeah, Adelaide at this stage seem to be uh, just that one step ahead. We'll see how we yeah, go. Yeah, I I still. I, I think Melbourne, I'd still have got Melbourne personally and, and North Melbourne. So big test. So Adelaide, a huge fortnight. Brisbane and then North Melbourne here on the Sunday, mm-hmm. sun, ne, uh, next Sunday, at, well, Sunday week yes. at 2.35. So, yep, yeah. Absolutely. And and like I said, we'll go on to those rounds yeah. very, very quickly. All yeah. right, and we'll move on to this week's games. Obviously, yep. Adelaide playing Brisbane up in Brisbane. Yep. Um, how do we see that one playing out? Big test for Adelaide, you know. So, Alan, they obviously lose Alan. Um, unfortunately, lose Abby Ballard for the year with him, and you knew straight away that yeah. that was probably as most blatant knee Rico as we've seen in, in a long time that you knew immediately that was a re- – and she knew as well. Well, the opposition was yeah. uh, not yeah. that far away from her, yeah. but she was covering her ears going, yeah. oh, I don't want to know about it. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, uh, Port Adelaide uh, playing the Suns at Albert and Oval. Yeah. Um, Look, I thought Gold Coast were okay here a couple of weeks ago against Adelaide, so I'll, I'll tip the Gold Coast in that game. Oh, fair call, and I'm going to be on the same boat. All right, let's take a very, very quick break, mate. We'll come back with some tennis, some basketball, and a little bit of rugby union. And a fascinating cricket stat you uncovered as well. Yeah, in our happy days a bit yes. later on. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. All right, we'll continue with tennis, mate. Um, Hewitt, Leighton Hewitt has made a bit of a bold call on Alex Dimonor, basically stating that he thinks he can make the top 10 in the next uh, 6 to 12 months and potentially take out an Australian Open. It's an interesting call, isn't it? Cause, and look, Dimonor probably is the closest as a player to Hewitt that he's you know, the Determination, same as, and the, chase everything down. Uh, the evident battery to get it back. The energizer battery back and back, back, yep. back, back, and um, and try and force the other player into making an error. Not so much here to winner themselves. So, yep. yeah, 
whether Dimon is going to have the weapons, we've just got to wait and see on that one. I, I'm, I, I like Leighton's positivity. Yep. I mean, um, he's backing his man. Yeah, he's backing his man. I, I, I you, you totally can't get it. Him for that. But Australian tennis is just starting to go through a little bit of that change where there seems to be a lot of players now between you know two twenty and about a hundred and forty. Then there's another lot between around about a hundred and, and and the top thirty five ish. Um, so Australia's starting to to the wheels starting to turn a little, a little bit, bit more, yeah, which well, is really yeah. really positive. It is positive, which is it'll be. Great for a big bang, someone to arrive, but they don't, you know, they don't grow on trees. Unfortunately, they don't these days. Uh, interesting point of view. I uh, uh, read an article about some players uh, using some tennis balls uh, overseas in some tournaments that uh, that, that felt heavier uh, on the basis that it creates longer rallies, et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah. pla- and players are sort of saying, well, you know, that means we're obviously out there a little bit longer. Uh, the the risk of injury, obviously, with the heavier balls, uh, could play a little bit of a part. Uh, it's, it's an interesting concept that players are making or bringing up that you can go from one tournament to the next, and obviously you can use a, a Wilson ball here and a Slazenger ball there and a head ball there and a Babolat ball. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, it's I, very very interesting. Yeah, I still think there should be some change up. Then you shouldn't just play with the same thing. You don't want the same thing, the same surface every week, like. There's not the variation of grass so much as there mm-hmm. used to be and all that. So I actually think the ball was a little bit different. That should be more encouraged, but that's yep from an outside. Yeah, no, no, know. fair call. Uh, racket technology is another yeah. thing that's changed dramatically. Oh yeah, that you know a, a little a little bit like cricket bats in a yeah. certain certain degree. Yeah, uh, if I can relate it to you in that. Yeah, that oh, regard, no, they the, have. Yeah, the, like the, the, the old technology, wooden tennis racket. Yeah, it's yeah. completely changed. Like, good luck with getting the ball back. Yep. with that with Absolutely. those. Uh, and the last one for tennis, mate, Ash Barty. Could she make a comeback? Yeah, I think we're getting our hopes up <laughs> a little bit too high. I think parenthood might be on uh, yeah. Ash's radar a tad more than tennis. I, I, I doubt it. I, be great. I, I think we'd all love to see it. Yep. Um, I only bring it up. There was yeah. an article uh, that came out the other day. She had a racket in hand. Yeah. She was doing a bit of a junior clinic. Um, you know, obviously had the Wimbledon hat on. Um, I think I'd, you know, I'll draw the same analogy on that as Petty playing, uh, having a hit of golf with with Fogarty. Yeah, yeah, I don't see any big yeah. deal on that. Uh, yeah. A lot, a lot of comments, obviously, on the photo, going, you know, please come back. Yeah. We want you to come back. So we're in agreement there. So a little bit, yep. of, a little bit yep. of fun there for yep. the tennis. All right, we move on to basketball. Uh, the Adelaide Thirty Six is not the start to the season they were hoping for with a one and four start. At least there was a win against Illawarra, though. So. Yeah. At least that's something, and there's been another new signing too. Yeah, that's right. Um, so things happening. We've just got to wait and see. Probably the interesting thing with basketball is the 36ers haven't been great now for a fair while, yet they're still getting really big, decent consi- crowds mm-hmm. and consistent size crowds. So, so that leads me into my next point is, you know, we're, we're, why are we failing to perform when expectations seem to be High-ish. I won't say they're, yeah. you know, they're, they're going to go out there and dominate like a Chicago or a, a LA Lakers when they have all the the stars. I, I'm not suggesting that at yeah. all. I'm, I'm just sort of, I'm just trying to gauge where we feel this optimism is coming from from the Adelaide 36ers. Not sure. I'm more the other side of it, where I think the other sports should be going. Well, hell, what in the hell are basketball doing correct? 
to getting these people along consistently, what could we do better? Mm-hmm. That's where I'm more on the angle of where I think other sports should be trying to learn off mm-hmm. basketball. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, SNFL get out and have a look. What can we do that basketball are doing? Yeah. They're getting the kids in. What can we do? Yep. You know? So. Good call. And uh, winnable games coming up against Southeast Melbourne Phoenix and the Wildcats over the next week or so. Yeah, so hopefully hopefully they could get it back on a bit more of a kill. We'll mm-hmm. just have to wait and see. But coming from behind on uh, the last game against Illawarra last week, so that, that just gives it gives us a little bit of a little bit of Bob hope. Uh, once again, you know, always pushing uh, the proverbial uphill. Doesn't always help, but yeah, you're right. Coming from behind, yeah, maybe a little bit of momentum. We've seen teams do it in other sports where you know a, a good quarter here and a good quarter, quarter there can transfer into yeah. a good game, and then a couple of good games, and then so on and so on. So, uh, good luck to the 36ers this week, and uh, we'll have a little, little bit more of a look at it again next week. All right, rugby union Eddie Jones linked with the Japan job, and he was grilled about it. I think there's a fair bit of uh, more than just a bit of linking. I'd say there's a fair bit of truth in, uh, in that way. Um, someone's a big long contract and three or four months in, wants out. Uh, it's, uh, it's What's happened to the Wallabies? Yeah, I mean, they were the darlings oh. of Australian sport along with cricket. I mean, they were the two hardest tickets to, to get at times were to, to the test match cricket either in Melbourne, Sydney uh, and the Wallabies. You really just oh. couldn't, wherever they went, you couldn't get a ticket. Yeah, they're certainly on. They're on the nose in more ways than one at the moment. So we just got to wait and see. Um, Is that a case of administration? Maybe something's breaking down administratively. Uh, Is there player development not quite in the space that it needs to be? Probably suspect a bit of a bit of all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, not close enough with it. We're in South Australia. Not a rugby state. No, personally, not a. No, but if no, I had to compare it, sure. but if I had to compare it to someone say like the Redbacks, we've talked about that on yeah. many occasions where you know the the administration sometimes can yes. be at odds, yes. can be at odds with the team a little bit, and and vice versa, and and which players should be should playing be and not yep. playing, and so do we see the Wallabies potentially going through that phase at the moment? But they seem to, it seems to be dragging. Yeah. As I, I probably think the same thing with the problem with most sports. If, if there's problems there, there's probably a bit wrong here, wrong with most things. Yep. It may need a complete overhaul. Yep. So, okay. So. All right, let's let's uh, let's finish up on that one there. We've got Tony Simons part two uh, of our interview um, uh, with him. We did split that up over yep. a couple of weeks and uh, really looking forward to, uh, to chatting or uh, to playing, re- yep. playing, replaying yep. Yep. Uh, our chat with him as well. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Past players, past legends, past legends. His underdogs was probably even a, a greater achievement in some respects. A bit of gloating here, quick, Pete. It's out of uh, Moose Henwood. I'd, I'd never met him before, and it was last year after a Sydney game when a uni mate said, let's catch up at the Cathedral afterwards. Oh, uh, yeah. Chatting away. Yeah. One of the guys says, uh, you know, Rubble, you're the sports nut amongst us. That's Russell Parker's brother over there. So I've yelled out, hey, mate, Russell Parker, 7 for 13, including a hat-trick to Wingland Earl, the 73-74 district premiership. 
Yeah. And he walks <laughs> over and goes, fuck me, it's Rain Man. And that. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I've sold him a copy of a book and then Moose is, uh, going, Moose is going, nah, you're not going to get me, pal. Oh, so, really? Yeah. So he's then, he's Googled a Nord Reserve side. And remember back then, all they did was initial, you know, your first initial. So yeah. T Simons, yeah. you know, it wasn't any of your name. Yeah. He goes, Right, if you can name every single player, this is from a Nord 1981 budget, he Googled <laughs> somewhere, I'll buy a book. Money for jam, Simo. Very easy, that one. He <laughs> threw the money on the yeah, table and went, too, too bloody good. So, yeah, a bit of fun. You are the best, though. He would have loved that. He did laugh. It was good. Yeah. He's so. a beautiful man. An so, absolute beautiful man. And yeah, poor old Russell Parker. Um, yeah, he played a lot of juniors at Glenelg, as you know. Yeah. Good cricket and all the rest of it. So, hey, good friends with a lot of um, good older mates of mine, too, that come through the Glenelg graves in those days. Yeah, no, he's a good cricketer. Part time yeah. leggy and one Glenelga played state cricket and just got thrown the yeah. ball when Glenelga, Glenelga virtually gone in a district mm-hmm. final and he uh, took a hat trick yeah. and turned the game. So, yeah. Did he play league football at Glenelga or did he go to the South and play? It might have been South. Yeah, yeah. I think he went yeah. to the South to play league footy. I don't yeah. think he played seniors at Glenelga. Yeah, I just time, remember but... that because at that stage, Australia or in New Zealand, and Ian Chapel made a big thing of it amongst the Australian team, so which Russell obviously heard about yeah. and greatly appreciated. So anyway, so yeah, yeah so right. eighty seven, you're on the other end of it on a you know, and probably North you know did deserve one in that in that time as well. But yeah, yeah, through that mate. Although you're at well, uh, sorry, no, you're at Hawthorne, aren't you? Yeah, apologies. Well, funny story though. I played my year at Hawthorne, didn't play many senior games, and we had an unofficial football trip to Tasmania. Um, they used to call themselves the Splinter Group, though there's about 20 of them, Bacchanara, Rod Lester-Smith, um, Dermot, Jason, um, a lot of really good guys, Chopper Hanley who came over here. Yeah, for Centrals, yeah. Anyway, we're at a pub in, in Hobart, and the game was um, broadcast on the ABC nationally um, at that stage. And I said to Jason Dunstall, who was sort of my mate in those days, can we go to a pub where we can watch it on the TV? And he's gone, well, yeah. So they rang Andy Bennett, um, yep, uh, who was yep. the, yeah, mixed up with Hawthorne, of course. And he picked us up four at a time in his car and drove us to this hotel. And by the time we got there, 15 minutes in the first quarter, Galil were already five goals down. And I'm going, well, that's not good. But I said, don't worry, don't worry, we'll beat them, we'll beat them. And, Anyway, half time we're getting thrashed and at the end of the game I'm sitting there and I'm I'm just broken hearted and Jason walked over and grabbed me and said, Simon, it's not your fault, come and have a beer, mate. But I, I was just shattered. I couldn't believe we could get done by eighty odd points. But yeah. I mean, you understand the psyche of footballers, they lost two in a row. There's probably no way knowing they're gonna lose three in a row to the same club. You just Whatever you had to do, you wouldn't let it happen. And they were just ultra-aggressive that day, probably in the same vein as we were the previous two years and thoroughly deserved it. And, um, you know, my cousin Mike Armfield played in it, so I was happy yep. for him. And Michael Noonan and, you know, David Tiller, they are some great guys Wilds. getting around their side and Wilds and all the rest of it. So um, no harm done, really, in the end. It was probably fair enough. How about your year at Hawthorne, though? You didn't probably pick the easiest side to, uh, to go and try and... Uh get a game and make an impact, though, mate. Yeah, look, I, I, Chris McDermott and I had been offered a three-year deal each to go to Brisbane Bears. 
Yeah. Um, at the start of 87, sort of end of 86. And Chris decided he wasn't going to go. So then I decided I wasn't going to go because, as you know, we we're pretty tight. So Galil signed Bone Up almost overnight straight away. And then and I remember going home late to his place at Marino one night and his sister had left a note saying the Hawthorne was chasing him. But he signed to stay with Glenn the next day. So Hawthorne must have looked around and gone, who's next? And it must have been me. So they started chasing me. Anyway, I signed to stay at Glenn Harry offered me a deal and it was two and a half times what I'd been getting before. And um, so I signed to stay at Glenn And then a week later, Harry came back to me and said, the board aren't happy that, to pay me the money. And I said, well, if that's the case, I'll go to Hawthorne. So... I actually okay. got him to sign a waiver to get me off the contract. And Alan Jeans was ringing me, and it was sort of a funny time. And I wouldn't ever think I was probably good enough to go over there, but I was always intrigued to know what it would be like yep. to be over there. And um, I didn't, I just didn't think it through, really. And I walked out of the train on the first night, which wasn't until January. I didn't go over there until January, but I trained pretty hard over here on my own. I walked out the first night, and I looked around and thought, what? It just might be hard to get a game here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, uh, just a little. That's, yeah, that's how it proved and proved to be. And I, I didn't get a game in the two night games we played. I played one or two of the trial games. And the last week before the first game, um, they always have an intra-club trial, which I still do these days, really. And um, it was a tribute to Dipper Day. And Dipper won the Brownlow in 86. So the last thing Dipper was interested in was playing an internal trial game <laughs> the week before the first game. So I'm standing him, and I'm desperate. So uh, I played really well, probably got best on ground in that game where Dipper wasn't really interested or trying, and I got picked uh, the next week for the first game against Carlton at Princess Park, which was a sellout. It's only held 35 or 40,000. Yeah. Um, it was a funny story because... It was Stephen Cunningham's first game as captain of Carlton. He'd been there in 86. That's but right. It was his yeah. first game as captain. And um, I'm lining up, and they're Hawthorne are unfurling the premiership flag from 86. And I'm standing there about five along with my hands on my back, thinking, what the hell am I doing here? And I look over at Stephen and made a funny face at Stephen. And Stephen made a funny face back at me as well because it was his first game as captain. So it was like two 16-year-olds from yeah. from Brighton from, and from Galil, the yeah. you know, thinking, how the hell did this, how did this happen? So um, that was a funny, funny moment. But, um, yeah, look, at the end of the day, I played that game, got dropped, played well in the twos, got picked again against Collingwood, I think. Yep, I think yep, it was correct. at Victoria Park. I can't even remember. and. Then got dropped for a few weeks, got picked again. I was in a couple of these games in the twos. I'm getting 40, 45 touches in the reserves playing for Hawthorne, which is sort of what you had to do to get picked. So I got picked again against Sydney and Sydney and kicked my only goal and thought I was probably right. And a few of the players said you should be right. And anyway, got dropped after that game and that was it really. So um, Alan Jeans told me at some stage later in the year when I was talking to him about it that. I um I ran too much and left my wing open too open at times. If I didn't get the footy, they got exposed and it was too risky. So he sort of made his mind up that they, they weren't going to pick me again, which was disappointing. Um, seeing they picked me 
just for that reason, really. Yeah, yeah, that um, is a bit bizarre. Yeah, because that was your strength. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't know if they would have sacked me or not. They never said they were going to sack me. I went to Yabby Jeans and said I'm going home, and he said they had a, a few phone calls from I think three clubs that wanted to talk to me. And yeah, one of the big mistakes I made was I said, no, nah, I'm going back to Glenelg. And you know why? Because I was petrified Glenelg were going to win a premiership without me in it, and the, as they nearly did in yeah. 87. They got rolled, and I was a bit small-minded looking back. I should have toughed it out and stayed. I could have gone to Brisbane again, or I think it was Melbourne or Footscray back in the day, and I, I, I should have hung in there or stayed at Hawthorne and toughed it out, because Hawthorne had a habit of making blokes play yes, the they did. for yeah. a long time yeah. back in those days, and there's a million examples of it, but it's probably one of the few, if not only, well, it's not the only regret of my footy career, but that's nearly the main one, I'd say. So you came back, and then, it's good, though, that full credit to you that when you came back, you were still very much switched on, huge Glenelg man, and, yeah, so it was another, you know, five years. And to go through, playing your 200th game would have been huge too, Simon, for you always... (laughs) being such a bloody Glenelg nut. Yeah. Yeah, it's a funny story. I um I actually played my two hundredth game. Um <laughs> shows what a different world it was. I played my two hundredth game against Central Districts at at Elizabeth and the people from the club and the cheer squad came up to me and said, Look, it's just too hard and too far for your two hundredth for your for your banner. So we're gonna do it the week after it. Um Footy Park, and I think I've got a photo of it somewhere. It's um, congratulations, Tony Simons, on 201 great games. <laughs> that is a classic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it just cracks me up looking back now. But I was, oh, look, I was just couldn't wait to get back and play Glenelg. And I said to Laurie Rose one of the times, if I come back, I want my old number back, which they'd given away. He said, no, you'll get your number back and all the rest. So, but called poor old Tony McTavish. He'd worn it for a year, had to take it, go back to number 11, um, um, which was probably a bit small-minded of me looking back. But I, I wanted my number back. It meant a lot to me. And um, I was always always going to go back to the level. There's no no chance I'd ever go anywhere else. There was no discussion on money. It was, I'm coming back, you know, pay me what you want to pay me. And um, I got injured the next couple of years. Um pretty badly, you know, um, break an arm, you know, like through the, the top of my arm and stuff like that. And um, Oh, actually, sorry, that was before it. In fact, both those years, 84 and 86, for what it's worth, I probably missed seven or eight or nine or ten games both years, once with a, a, um, a, a fractured thumb that they pinned and one with a broken jaw and cheekbone, which I'd wired up for a month. So when I came back, I broke my arm right up the top near my shoulder, like snapped it through, got knocked into the fence at Glenelg and that pretty much buggered um, 1988 up. I tried to play again sort of four weeks earlier than I should have, and it just didn't work out. I played a bit of twos and desperately trying to get picked in the seniors for the grand final or prelim final, but didn't happen. So I had my share of it, but I was, yeah, really, really bought into it when I come back, and I wanted to come back and use my experience from what I'd learned at Hawthorne and set better training standards and all the rest. And it was probably, you know, one of the great disappointments. We didn't win a, did not win another one when I came back. We had a few chances. 
you then moved into uh, obviously coaching uh, in '95, and um, yeah, was yeah. that was that something that was on the on the radar initially, or was it something that uh, well, you, the you fell story into? Was, the actual story was I was sitting at the Seacliff Hotel with Chris McDermott at the end of 1992. Gee, why does that not surprise me? Yep, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we'd always talk, all of us, about coaching and all the rest. And Bone was still well and truly, he's probably, if he wasn't captain of the Crows, Tony would have been. And um, Chris just looked at me and said, well, you're going to have to coach Camille. So I'd been, uh, sorry, I went to Vic, uh, Victor Harvest for two years, yeah, 83, yeah. 84. And uh, Choco was coaching Glenelg. And I remember, and Choco and I have sorted this out since, but Choco was in the paper saying that he would only coach Glenelg in 95 if he didn't get a better offer in the AFL. And I rang Glenn Elliott, who I'd never, had, had never even met in those days, and said, is this what we've come to? Someone will coach our great club if he doesn't get a better chance, a better opportunity. He said, oh, it's not quite like that. And anyway, Bone said, well, you're going to have to pursue it. So I did pursue it through the board at the time. And they kept saying, there's no job there. Choco's doing it. I'm saying, well, that's not going to happen. And, yeah, we were a bit yeah, clever the way we pursued it, um, really. And poor old Choco um, was probably looking for a slightly better deal. And Galil weren't going to give him that. And they knew I was sort of waiting in the wings and, Looking back, I mean, you know, I was probably too young for it. I was 32, um, you know, single, you know. Um, <laughs> it was probably not the right call. And I've said many times since, you know, really, it would have been better for Glenelg if they'd kept Choco because he was a far better coach than I was ever going to be. And um, it was hard for him because Glenelg people never took to him, yeah. being that he was a, a big Boy. Port Adelaide man. Yeah. Choco is very single-minded, as we all know, yeah. and was always going to do it his way. And that didn't endear him, you know, to our supporters. But, you know, I took over um, a bunch of blokes who were probably sad to see Choco finish up, to be quite frank. You know, Chiggy and Simon Hill and Alan Bartlett and blokes who'd been around for a little bit in those days um, and that I'd played with, you know, underneath would have um, would have been quite disappointed that Choco had, had, had gone. So... It probably wasn't a great move, but I, I loved it. But it was a tough time because we didn't have the infrastructure. And I was working full-time at the at Lenny's or the Watermark, as it sort of was becoming at the time. And um, I had a full-time job down there, you know, running the bottle shop or, or running the hotel at one stage and trying to coach Glenelg. And he didn't have really any support. There was no football director as such. It was sort of Glenn Elliott as the CEO then me as the coach, and then you had a junior development officer. So we're trying to do the recruiting and interviewing players and all the rest while you're doing yeah. a full-time job. So it was really not a great time in my life, and um, it took me a while to recover from it, to be quite frank, because you know they, um, well, a lot of people don't know, I, I had two one-year contracts. I never had a two-year contract. I had two one-year contracts. Right. So I was fighting for my survival Um Every week, and I think both years we started off pretty well. We might have won four or five of our first seven or eight games, I reckon, but we just couldn't hold it together for whatever reason. And when you're fighting for your survival, you make a few rash decisions. And yep. I was arguing with the board about stuff that didn't matter and 
arguing with supporters after games and, you know, front page of the paper for fighting with spectators and rubbish like that, um, which was counterproductive to what we were trying to do. If I could have survived one more year, if I could have got into my third year, I reckon I might have done it for quite a while, but I didn't survive and um, got the sack and uh, went back to Victor Harbour for a year. <laughs> and so, a bit sad, really. Your time, though, you've been in the pub game for a long time now, Simon, and I really want to commend you that. You, you're really a community person in the, in the pubs. Let's also be honest, you certainly helped a fellow player in Alan Stringer, and we were, we're going to try and get strings on at some yep. stage. Um, yeah. You helped Alan, Alan out. And I, I really want to emphasise people out there, uh, Tony sees the whole picture. So we mucked around a bit here. We over the North, got elk stuff and a bit of, bit of fun. But mm. I want to commend Tony that he sees whole community and does a lot of things behind the scenes for a lot of different community outlets and sees the whole disability sector and all that side mm. of things. So a massive, mm. a massive thank you, society thank you, probably is as good a way of phrasing it as any. But yeah, well, yeah you, get you get it. You get it, mate. He was going through a pretty tough trot for many reasons, as tough as anyone's done it, to be honest. And, um, yeah, I, I used to ring him a bit, try and get him to some of the Galil functions and even the SNFL pass players function that I've been chairman of for um, maybe 15 years. And um, Alan actually used to say, no, I've passed all that, Simon, thanks for calling, but I'm not interested. And I sort of kept ringing him and... Eventually, we got met up and got talking about where he was at and mm. he was thinking about maybe getting back into a bit of work. And I said, well, let's just come and do something with the Warrenale and a bit of gardening and all the rest. And I just sort of got him involved again in in the community. And um, it was good for a while. He met some people and made some good friends there and he'd have a beer after, after work and all the rest of it. So um, he went through a Pretty tough trot, yeah. and as we know, yeah. a lot of blokes from the 80s at a lot of clubs have been through something similar, and there just wasn't the support mechanism around in those days as there is now. And it wasn't all right to call out for help either, as it is now. Oh, look, we're going through it with Nord at the moment. Um, there's still a lot of... While we've improved, there's still a hell of a long way to go for blokes to admit, yeah. hey, I'm yeah. I'm struggling, I'm, I'm not okay, and yeah, look, I'll yeah. be honest. When I brought up to Pete that I was going to get try and get Tony to come on out, come on on our show, I I, I did think of this this angle yeah. as well, and I, I do really think it's yeah, it is something we've got better. But geez, we still got a long way to go, Simo. Oh, have we ever? And um, you know, there's there's blokes at every club that I mean, some of the clubs, the stories are just terrible, as yeah. as we know, um, with with terribly sad endings. Um, and you know, I've you know I've had a bit to do with players from other clubs too that I've got to know over the years, as you know, Malcolm. Yeah. Um. Um. Because they're just really good guys, and you you move on from football stuff. And if you don't, you're a mug. Yeah. Um. Exactly. Because there's there's a bigger picture, and um, yeah, I you know there's some sad stories around, but um, there is a bit of support around now. You just got to, the trouble is, as we all know. Um, people are good liars. So it's all well and good to, you know, um, share stuff on Facebook and 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 um, all the rest of it. Or, but you've got to ring blokes. You've got to meet with them. Yeah. You've got to look in their eyes 
and see what's going on, you know, through their eyes. Because yeah. blokes are very, very good liars for, yeah. for so many reasons. And, um, yeah, you really need to get face-to-face with guys and really ask them and, and, and don't always believe them. Ask them more questions and, and say, well, you know, what do you really, what do you really mean? Well, what's really going on? Yeah. And, and if you call them out a bit, quite often they'll sort of look and go, well, maybe, maybe they can tell. You get more out of them, so but but it's a fine line, boys, as we know. Yeah. And of course, Glenelg delivering this year, so you you uh, certainly had that highlight a couple of weeks ago, mate. Yeah, it was just um, a river day. I mean, you know, we've got a bad history of losing them at Glenelg, as we all know, but we were clearly the best side all year. I only saw, to be fair, four or five games because I was out. My son was playing footy yeah, for second heart, yep. this yep. year, so. I was out watching him um, every week, but when when I had the opportunity, I gave him an L game. It just looked like we were so well drilled, and it looked like we were sort of a long way ahead of most of the sides that I saw. So it would have been a travesty if we didn't win it. But uh, ironically, and not, not being that close to it, I, I saw the game where we beat uh, Sturt by 105 points at the Bay. Um, yep in round 10, I think it was, and Sturt had a couple of their better players out that week with the flu, and what I thought was that if we can beat the undefeated side, as they were at that stage, by 100 points, they must have played a few blokes who were crooked as well that day because they just weren't very good. So clearly, the team we played in the grand final was a good side, and full credit to Sturt. You know, they probably had a few players out, and we had a couple out, but they probably had more players out and toughed it right out. And you know, to get within four goals, to be honest, was a I reckon a really good effort on Sturt's behalf. But I sort of felt like we were a seven or eight goal better side. But who cares on grand final day? You just want to get over the line. But it's really funny, sort of watching it now. It's been you know I haven't played since 1992. So sort of, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, and you, the sirens come and you feel it come and you stand up and you, you sort of get a tear in your eye. And I did the same thing standing next to Stephen Kernahan in 2019 when we yeah. were. You know, and, and sort of my kids have never seen me cry or anything, but you get a tear in your eye and you sort of got to take your sunglasses off to wipe your eyes a couple of minutes after the siren. It's sort of embarrassing, but I suppose it sort of shows you what it still means to you to see the club being in such a terrific spot and you know he would have said the year before with Nord oh, bloody oath. getting, getting yeah. over the, getting over the line the year before and, and and what it means to so many people and so many supporters and you know I see it all the time you know hotels are sort of around the Galilg area and you just see what it means to people and um, yeah it was a, a real um, thrilling day and I didn't have too much to do with the boys on the Sunday after the game but they all came back, you know, the seniors and the reserves and all the, the entire coaching group. We had them at the Morford Arms on um, on Monday all day from yeah. about 11 o'clock through to 7 or 8 o'clock. And I settled in a bit with them on that day and had a few beers and a real good catch-up with coaches and players and some of the guys that I've had a bit to do with over the years. Um, you know, one-on-one situations like Lockie Hosey and Max Proud and blokes like that. So that that's when it really starts hitting home, doesn't it? So great, great time. I, I think a lot of that also comes from, the, you know, Glenelg were, to be honest with you, on their knees a few years ago and um, mm. a, a mm. lot of the, the work that has gone on behind the scenes to uh, to turn things around. I think uh, 
not only is a credit to the club, but I think it just means so much to obviously past players and. Oh, Nick Chigwidden's been and, vital in that way. Keith Coleman, he, Keith Coleman's a bloody legend yeah. amongst you, you Glenelg guys. Uh, yeah, past players amazing. wise and that. Yeah, you you do yeah, a fantastic man. job, Glenelg. I've got to yeah. be fair. Yeah, no, I'm so to Norwood, mate. You know they they great. They get on the hill there and all the rest. And we run that bar on the where the old grandstand yeah. was and. You know, any home game you go to, there'll be 15 or 20 of the boys working on the bar or, or having a drink, normally more than that, to be honest. And Keith drives all that. And, you know, it's amazing. Like, you know, Sue, Peter Carey was president and still on the board, and he still does his shifts yeah. in, the, in the bar. Yeah, so I've seen Piggy that. And, yep. uh, Bomber Whelan, who's the, um, you know, David Whelan, who's our current president, he does his shifts, you know, in the bar nearly every home game in between all this other stuff. And it's sort of a good catch-up time anyway, but it's just incredible the amount of guys who get around it. It's like a day out. It helps a bit when the, the footy's going well on the ground, but it just shows you, you know, the strength of your footy club is runs from your board, your president and your board downwards. And, you know, we've had an amazing board over the last 10 or 12 or 14 years. Blokes who've done it for a long, long time and have been committed, and the only way they can get off the board now is when they introduce their replacement, it's got to be someone of a similar calibre, and that's how it works now, and, yeah. you know, the results, you know, you know. They do speak for themselves, yeah. Well, poor old Brett Hand at the end, too, yeah, you, know, I, you know, yeah. cutting him loose after making the finals two years in a row was was pretty a pretty tough decision. Everyone really liked Brett. He's a ripper bloke. He's a great bloke. He was doing a pretty good job, but the club thought, they had to make the call, and in the end, it's a strong board that does that, and rightly or wrongly, they, they got a result this year. So uh, not easy times to make those calls, and there's a lot of sympathy around for Brett. I'm sure he doesn't want our sympathy, but he did a great job. He was a very popular bloke around the footy oh, club. He's a great bloke, the Brett. Day, the footy club probably got to say they got it right because we won a flag. So not easy, but, um, yeah. Obviously, he's a, with him still. Yeah. You know, the Nord link with Breck, because he played at Nord, at Nord and that. And you know, yeah. some couple other links with, with Brett, with the Robinson yeah. Fam, family yeah. and that. So He was um, very well liked around Glover and Tia. Yeah, he didn't look, have any, any enemies around the footy club. Full credit to Brett. He's back in the, te- in the teaching game now. And, yeah, so yeah. Look, huge credit. He'll probably live, he'll live a lot longer doing that, although that, that's not that easy either. <laughs> yeah. But it's, um, it's probably a bit easier than coaching, mate. We've all been there. And we'll finish off. I'm currently looking at a photo of Tony Simons uh, carrying the ball with the Pioneer Homes is Glenelg's sponsor. You're actually holding the ball to kick on your left there, Simo, on a... Uh, beer can in front of me, so I've started a bit of work with Print Rat Pack, so if oh, there's... Yeah. Uh, That's right, yeah. And it does look... Fan- it's a great photo of you, Simo. We will put that on our page as well, and it's just Pete's nodding in the background here, so anyone yeah. out there uh, can contact us or Malcolm Rulebook Ashwood on Facebook as well. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, as you so, know, Malcolm, yeah, so. I mean, any football club... I took... Um, we had a 1993 Premiership reunion this year at Victor Harbour Football Club 30-year reunion. I was captain coach. Yep. And um, I got four cartons of those cans done up with the team photos. Yeah. And we sold them as six-packs down there, 50 bucks a six-pack, and we should have got more made. Um, and that's the sort of thing yeah. I'll be out and amongst with clubs trying to 
get clubs over the line in that regard as well. And so. can, no, you've just got to email the photo through and, and next minute they bring you a can and show you what it looks like. And it's, it's just incredible yeah. what, what they can do with this. So, yeah, good luck with that. I think I think that'll be a lot of fun for you. You'll be you'll be just the right bloke to be doing it, mate, I reckon. I'll be having a crack, Simon. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I know you will. I know you will. No, brilliant. Hey, look, Tony, greatly appreciate having you having you on board. Uh, yeah, I admit, go the bloody base. Yeah, and that's a no, no. Well done, mate. Seriously, great stuff and greatly appreciate it. And I really, uh, more importantly, appreciate your role, what you do out community-wise as well. No, thanks, guys. Lovely to talk to you. And um, hope there's something there that you can use and uh, gives you know, a little bit of entertainment for whoever might be listening. Uh, we have plenty of listeners uh, that listen in each week and they uh, always look forward to our segments with our past, past, past legends. And well done to Glenelgan. I know you're uh, you're reveling in uh, in their victory and who knows, they might go back to back. Great. Hope you're right. All the best, boys. Great Ca- talking to you. Catch Thanks, up mate. soon. Thanks, Simo. Cheers, guys. Bye. Happy days. All right, and to kick off, happy days today. Happy birthday, Tyson Stengel this week. Uh, originally at uh, drafted by Richmond, yeah. uh, then traded to Adelaide, uh, and then found himself at Geelong. Uh, drafted in twenty seventeen uh, from Woodville West Torrens Football Club. Yeah, ability up in the air. I know. I certainly know that some people. Uh, Woodville West Torrens don't think Adelaide Football Club handled him very well and did the right thing. And mm-hmm. Adelaide Football Club made many errors. I, I'm I'm in the bit of well, Tyson made a plenty of mistakes, but to his credit, you know he's the first delisted free agent to be an All Australian, mm-hmm. which is a huge achievement. Yep. in that way. So he had that huge year, big part of Geelong's flag. Um. Injury troubles last year and probably fell away a little bit like the whole Geelong side yep. did and probably harder as a forward as well at Catland last year. So, wait and see there, but he's always going to have 2022 with him. What a, what a year. Yeah. Um, currently or still living with Eddie Betts, obviously a mentor yeah. uh, from, from obviously from Adelaide here and then obviously down to Geelong. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting 2024 for, for Tyson. Um it's also going to be interesting to see how Brisbane and Collingwood come back from a grand final because the two teams that generally make it just struggle that little bit the following year. The only thing that's positive, I suppose, from a Collingwood point of view is they seem to be pretty young-ish, apart from Pendlebury. Yeah, and they did come from the pre... You know, lost a prelim final by point the year before. Mm. I think it's more the team who gets thumped in the grand final seems to fall away that it really messes teams up mentally. Where yep. Brisbane, it was a contest down to the wire, pick up Dode, you know, haven't really lost too much. Yep. Um, and if they keep their winning form, obviously, yeah, so, like, like Geelong, yeah. this is where I was sort of leading into in that uh, Geelong do play quite a few games down there at uh, GMHBA yeah. Stadium or Cadinia yeah, Park or whatever. The renovations would have finished by then, so the capacity is obviously yeah, that, higher as help. well, yep. uh, which means that they're probably going to get a few more games uh, heading down the highway there. Uh, they could be a pretty formidable team uh, come next year as well, but again, age is going to catch yeah. up with them a little Wait bit. Wait and see. Wait and yeah. see. All right, we move on. This week in 1964, swimming Australian swimmer Kevin Berry sets 
a world record of two minutes uh, and and six seconds to beat American Carl Robbie by 0.9 of a second in the men's 200 backstroke and gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics. I could have beaten him provided I was driving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, look, fair effort by Kevin Chuckberry. So, yeah, well played. Very, very good. All right, we move on to tennis. In 1974, Australian tennis star Yvonne Gulagong, uh wins her first WTA uh, to a championship, beating Chris Everett 6-3, 6-4 in the final of Los Angeles Sports Arena. You know, I say that rivalry with Gulagong, Corley and Everett was probably his love by everyone. They were the darlings of... Mm-hmm. Everyone, you didn't hear a bad word about either of them. Yes. So it's it's interesting where, you know, there was, say, the Navitrilova or yes. it wasn't, but there was the big love for both of them, probably as much love as Australians ever had for mm-hmm. an American. So, yep. yeah, interesting there. It's amazing the uh, Navratilova and Everett, People Rival, thought yeah. there was a massive rivalry, and yet they're the best of friends. Yeah, uh, I've seen a documentary of them driving around the countryside yeah. and just absolutely enjoying their time together away from the court. Yeah, saying that you know it was amazing how that everyone thought that it was this, and yet we were that. And yeah, just and, on court and, and on court, and same with Corley and, yeah. and Everett as well. So, all right, mate, I knew this one would get you really, really excited, and uh, I did tell you before we did yes. the episode here in 1986. An Australian cricketer set a bit of a record that I don't think you knew about. No, which, I did not. Which which surprised me. And that is Alan Border actually scored the one millionth test run in all of test cricket versus India and Bombay. I will be honest. I'll be using that. I might send that out to a few people and see how if anyone else around have played with him in that time, the the contacts I have got in that, mm-hmm. whether anyone else knew that, because I'd never heard that before, and I'm surprised as a cricket nut to have never heard that. So I think it's a that is a fascinating one, mate. Mate, sometimes when you do a bit of uh, research no, and well a little played. bit of digging, I, I know you love your cricket, yeah. and we are coming into cricket and tennis season a little bit at the moment. I thought I had to chuck in a, no, uh, a cricket stat, and that one there even blew me away, and I thought, ah, oh, he'd know this one. I'm, I'm preaching no, to the I'm, converted, but you're blown away. No, I am. I will send that through to Timothy Bryan, Alexander May, and see whether see whether May's in you. Breaking news: Malcolm yeah. speechless. Yeah, no, I'm very impressed. <laughs> very good. And we'll finish off with uh, motor racing. Um, uh, uh, Brazilian McLaren driver Ayrton Senna clinches his second and second straight and third overall F1 World Drivers Championship by finishing second in the Japanese Grand Prix. And you just always say. You know, same thing, just with the sadness and with what ended up happening. You, know, mm-hmm. you just, yeah, it just makes it harder, that's all. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolute champion, but, yeah, you just, the what-ifs. Yep. yep. Totally agree. All right, let's get into the extra time, big finish. Extra time, big finish. All right, mate, we start off with Netball. The pay dispute continues. It sounds like it's coming to a little bit of a resolution, but they keep winning. Yeah, which is something because, yeah, as we hinted at earlier, it's it's a real hard one because they are losing players to football. Mm. Um, you know, potential elite players in all other sports are being drawn to football because of the yep. rewards on offer. So it is, it's, it's a hard one. There's a lot more... 
competition out there for the sporting lady girl into becomes lady than what there used to be, where yep. it was almost netball or tennis. Yes, where all of a sudden, hey, soccer's now okay. and going soccer well. well. AFLW, yep. Uh, you know, even the rugby starting their own uh, W League as yeah. well. So it's a lot of more. Lot there is more a lot more competition. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this one plays out. All right, the baseball, mate. This one's probably a little more at my alley, but we yep. are getting towards the. The World Series, but um, we've currently got four teams left. The uh, Houston Astros v, v the Texas Rangers, with Texas leading 2-0 at the moment. Yep. Uh, looks like Texas will Texas probably get should. over the line there. Uh, and then the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, with, uh, uh, against the Philadelphia Phillies, leading that series 2-0 as well. Uh, the Phillies do have a bit of an affiliation with uh, the Adelaide Giants, yeah. which is... Uh, uh, interesting just to throw that one in there that they are also going to be still sending some players yeah, down feeder. this year as well. Yeah, we're one of their feeder teams and there's been that relationship. It'd be interesting to see how many, we will look that up for how many years that relationship's been going for now. Mm. So, yeah, it is certainly a link with uh, with Adelaide, with with, with the Philadelphia, with the Phillies, Phillies yeah. absolutely. Uh, some well-known teams like the Los Angeles uh, Dodgers and the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees, not to be seen this year. So a little bit yeah. of a changing of the guard. Uh, I think the MLB, from a crowd point of view and maybe uh, a viewing point of view, maybe a little bit down because some of those bigger markets yeah. aren't in the finals. But uh, still a very, very good opportunity for these teams to oh, strut their stuff. Some new blood. Absolutely. All right, we move on to car racing. Scott Piastri starting to deliver. Runner-up runner in Qatar, uh, now sitting ninth in the standings. Yeah, certainly displaying promise and showing... And you, I'm not going to have a crack on the last name, but Oscar, yeah, is certainly... He's becoming more and more a possibility. Mm-hmm. Moving up the ladder is probably mm-hmm. a way to... Uh, fair he's analogy. Only yeah, he's only 22, 23. No. Uh, Ricardo obviously looks like he might have a, a, a spot for next year as well. Yeah. So interesting to see how that one's going to play out. Uh, and then a little more locally, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen wins the Bathurst 1000. Again. Uh, again. Uh, might be off to the US a little sooner than we thought. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Shane's class act and Bathurst. I, I admit I haven't... Uh, haven't spoken to Lord Voldemort, a previous guest on the show. Roger James goes to Bathurst every year. Mm-hmm. I don't know when the last time he hasn't. Obviously, probably COVID. COVID, yep. COVID but if we're not going to count the COVID years, yep. I think Roger's probably 20, 30 years straight, whatever he's mm-hmm. a, he is a Bathurst. Is he a Ford or a Holden man? Well, it was good to see there was a photo of, of uh, Roger there at Bathurst. Wearing his red legs gear, so that, yes, that, that I, did the, actually, I did actually yes, see that with yes. a Nord supporter put that up, and mm-hmm. I I probably should have put. Well, if you're going to go to if you want to catch up with Rod, just go to Bathurst each year. So right. yeah, maybe yeah. maybe we'll do a personal interview yeah, with him at, <laughs> at some stage at Bathurst. All right, yeah, that could be interesting. That quite could. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, mate, and just to finish off the good, the bad, the ugly for this week, you're good for this week. I'm going to go the. I'm going to I'm going to go on a bias one. Why not? Good as the mighty. High-flying Redbacks, never disappointed a per a South Australian sports lover in their life. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, Pinocchio just went through the wall. You're bad uh, for the week, mate. Again, I'm going to stay on the sacker. Yep. $10 to get in today, $17 to park your car. For goodness sake, common sense, throw the gates open. 50-odd people in Adelaide Oval to watch South Australia finally win mm-hmm. a game. South Australia winning Shield Games, 
do not grow on trees. Use a brain, South Australian cricket. Fair call, and I presume that would probably be your ugly as well. Why not? Leave it at that. All right. Uh, my good for the week, Adelaide Crows uh, continuing on their winning ways. Yeah. Uh, I Again, watching some of the games this year, uh, the, the, the ball movement for me has been really, really impressive from some of the, the teams that have been in the system for now, what are we, season number eight, I believe. Um, some of the ball movement from some of those more established teams has been really, really good and unearthing some, um, you know, some really, really, really good talent along the way. My bad for the week is probably the 36ers. I had hoped a little bit more from them to start the season this year, um, but again, early days. So let's see if that one turns around. And my ugly, I can't disagree with you that uh, we should be making it more accessible for people oh, to, be, to, to be watching Shield games. Um, I can understand if it's uh, Australia v India and you've got 50,000 people screaming at the gates to get in. Um, yeah, you want to try and encourage. You want to try and encourage as many people as possible. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping that that tidies itself up over yeah. a period of time. But we'll see how we go. All right, mate. We're going to finish on that note. Huge episode once again. We apologise for uh, this one being a little bit late with uh, some technical issues yeah. last week. A few things have happened. Uh, um, yeah. Exactly, and um, I think we're coming up on our fiftieth episode. Yeah. Uh, so we look forward to celebrating with that with you, the listeners. And we'll see how we go. We promise to do better next week. I, we even got a couple of questions. People came past the scoreboard. What in the hell is happening in your, po- your podcast? So that was, that was the impressive part. Uh, thank you, Paige, for that at, at, at uh, the footy last Friday night. Fantastic. Well, we hate to disappoint. So yeah. we, we definitely promise to do better then. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCastSA. We'll see you next time on Game On.